Tonight's scripture will be taken from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. Good evening. We're glad that you're here tonight. We are very grateful for the opportunity to be together again to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're always thankful to have visitors and we always want to make you feel welcome. We want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We appreciate so much those of you that visit from week to week and those who may be looking for a church home. We encourage you to consider the work here. I know that our elders have met in times past with prospective members and they would be more than happy to meet with you and answer any questions that you have. And we're grateful for our leadership. We're thankful for every member here. And I think we have a great church, a great group of people, and we want to do everything that we can to make known New Testament Christianity in this community. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 tonight. We're going to be talking about the importance of using our influence for good in the world in which we live. And the title of our lesson tonight is Salty Saints. Jesus, of course, was the master teacher. And he used a lot of everyday expressions, common things, if you please, to impress upon people the importance of spiritual truths. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we have what has been called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus sets forth some divine principles that men and women are to build their lives upon. As a matter of fact, when you look at the principles that are set forth in Matthew chapter 5 and following, you'll see that Jesus is setting forth some fundamental traits that ought to be embedded in the lives of those who are his disciples. Next week, the Lord willing, we want to talk about the importance of being light bearers in a dark world, a darkened world of sin. But tonight we want to talk about and emphasize the importance of utilizing our influence for good. And Jesus uses the metaphor of salt to talk about how we as his people, as his followers, are to be the salt of the earth. And so we're going to be talking for just a moment or two about this great theme as you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. First of all, I want to talk for a minute about the duty of salty saints. There are a number of uses, as you well know, for salt. And in no way am I going to make an exhaustive list of the uses of salt. But there are some things that I believe salt is used for that by way of analogy helps us to understand our role in the world in which we live and how we can use our influence for good. Somebody has said in times past that no man is an island unto himself, and that's true. On a daily basis, we interact with any number of people. Whether we know it or not, people are watching and observing how we carry ourselves, what we say, where we go. And so what we want to do is make sure that we use our influence for good, that we radiate Christianity to a lost and dying world. So let me begin by saying, first of all, that salt has been used and is used as a preservative. Now, we're all familiar with the account of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah back in Genesis chapter 18 and following. 
And we know that Abraham in the long ago literally bartered with Jehovah God about the impending destruction that was to fall upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God had said to Abraham that he would spare those cities if ten righteous souls could be found. Now, we talk about our influence in this nation. As New Testament Christians, we can be a preservative for good in this world, in this nation. Let me just suggest to you that there are some ways that we can use our influence for good. First of all, think about our prayers. We have the opportunity to pray to Jehovah God 24-7. The Bible tells us that we are to pray for kings and all those who are in authoritative positions in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We have the privilege of praying for those who lead and govern in our nation. We ought to be praying for these people. We ought to pray that their eyes would be opened to divine truth, that they would see the importance of following the scriptures. The psalmist in the long ago said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Wouldn't it be great if through our prayers that the eyes of the leaders of our nation would be opened and they would see the importance of following what God says in his word. Wouldn't it be great if our nation's leaders submitted to the will of Almighty God when, when we look at the scriptures and we think about the influence of first century Christians. Think about the Apostle Paul. I can just see the Apostle Paul praying for leaders and those who were, who were in authoritative positions and using his influence for good among those people. And then what about our presence? Is it not the case that our presence can have a measure of good in this city, state, in the nation? Some would estimate that there are about two million New Testament Christians in the United States, give or take some. But think about this. The presence of every Christian ought to be for good in this nation. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and in conduct. That is, the things that you say demonstrate New Testament Christianity. The way you carry yourself, the way you conduct your affairs in this life demonstrate New Testament Christianity. Our presence can be used for good in this world. I think about Christian educators and the great influence that they can have. I think about Christians in the home and the influence that they have in this nation. Christians in various realms of government and the good that they can exert. We need more people using their influence for good in those sectors. And then I think about the preaching and teaching of the gospel. Go back and read the book of Jonah sometime. Note the four chapters of Jonah the prophet. God sent Jonah to Nineveh to preach to those people. They were steeped in wickedness or sin. As a matter of fact, God was so displeased with the city of Nineveh, he was going to destroy it. 
And so in chapter 3, God said to Nineveh to preach the preaching that I bid you. Jonah went forth and began preaching 40 days and Nineveh shall what? It'll fall. What did the people do? The Bible says they believed what they heard. And thus they turned to God and God relented and spared the city. Some 100 years later, Nineveh fell. But here was Jonah going out preaching and teaching. As a result of that, people changed. Never underestimate the power of God's word. We talk about being a preservative for good in the world in which we live. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 verse, well in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17, talked about how the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit has to be utilized in order to reach the masses of humanity. If we're going to change the world for good, how are we going to do it? Social programs, the philosophies of men, politics. The only way that I know to change the society in which we live is by preaching and teaching and upholding the word of God. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And I would key on that word long-suffering because when people hear the word of God, they don't necessarily change overnight. But over a period of time, the word of God can find a home in the hearts and lives of people. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus talked about the honest and good heart. When God's word finds a home in honest and good hearts, it yields fruit. And so we talk about our prayers, our presence, our preaching and teaching. All of these are factors in, in terms of our influence in the world in which we live. There's a second thing I would call attention to, and that is the fact that salt purifies. Salt is a cleanser. It's amazing to me the number of uses of salt and water. You can clean a lot of dirt, grime, and grit, grease, with salt and water. Do you know that? You ever tried it? Well, by the same token, as children of God, we ought to have a purifying effect on this world, on this nation. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he talked about demonstrating purity, manifesting himself as a pure vessel before the world and before other believers. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, he said, keep yourself pure. Think about how our nation as a whole has changed in the last 50 years or so. I think, I think back to the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, and I'm not saying that there weren't corrupt people during those years. I'm not saying that every person that lived during that era were what they ought to have been. But it was a different nation. People thought differently. They acted differently. Those who were in positions of government, they led differently. Well, I don't think purity is archaic. I don't think it's out, outdated. I don't think it's old-fashioned. It may be that that's how people view it, but it's my conviction that we as children of God can bring purity back to the hearts and lives of people. 
What we've got to do is show people, look, there's a better way to live. Take the high road. Live a life of purity. When the Apostle Paul engaged in his various missionary endeavors, we talk about his three missionary tours. It's amazing the number of people that he came in contact with. When he went to the city of Athens, those people were steeped in idolatry. They were living as pagans. When he stood before a Philippian jailer, again, he stood before a pagan, somebody that was an unbeliever. When he went over to the city of Corinth and began preaching and teaching to those people, what were they like? Were they living lives of purity and wholesomeness and godliness? Absolutely not. Paul spent 18 months in the city of Corinth preaching the word to those people, teaching those people. What, what kind of changes came about? Do you remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. You want to talk about wholesale changes in this nation? Can you imagine going to the city of Los Angeles or Chicago or New York City? Some of the mega cities around our, around our country and preaching and teaching the gospel and that word, finding a home in honest and good hearts and yielding changed lives? If people were to come out of idolatry and adultery and fornication and homosexuality and drunkenness, if people gave up living a life of a thief, what would the result be? Purity, a change. And so can we make inroads in this society? Can we call people back to purity? Yes. Again, we talk about the power of God's word. Let me give you another example of how salt is used. Salt permeates. It's amazing how salt can infiltrate, for example, meat. Is that not what we as God's people are supposed to be doing? When you read the Great Commission, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, go. The Lord was all about getting out among the masses of people and interacting with people. If we're going to make a difference in this world, then we've got to permeate society. We've got to infiltrate, if you please, into the hearts and lives of people. I'm not saying that, that in so doing that we fraternize with these people and condone their behavior. But Jesus went out and talked to sinners. He had compassion on those people. When you look at the, the first century church, do you remember when Paul and Silas went to the city of Thessalonica? They spent some three weeks preaching and teaching in the synagogue that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Their results were amazing. Some of the people believed. Some didn't believe. In verse 6, the Bible tells us that an uproar was instigated 
As a result of that, Paul and Silas had to leave town. But here's, here's the point that ought to catch our attention. Luke said that the charge was made, these men that have turned the world upside down have come here too. Why are we not turning the world upside down? Why are we turning Olive Branch upside down? Why are we turning North Mississippi upside down? The state of Mississippi, the nation. Do you realize that we live in a world of, of about 7 billion people? We've got to do everything we can to permeate or to infiltrate every sector of society. Again, the Great Commission is to go. I think sometimes people have the idea if we build, they'll come. That's not the case. What the Bible says is you go out into the highways and byways, and what do you do? You preach the gospel. You teach people. Look at the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a great historical account of the growth of the New Testament church. The church began with a bang. Some 3,000 people obeyed the gospel. You read chapter 4, again, growth is taking place. Chapter 5, believers are increasingly being added to the Lord. Chapter 6, again, great numbers of people obeying the gospel of Christ. In chapter 8, the Bible tells us a great persecution swept the early church. And the saints were scattered abroad with the exception of the apostles. Verse 4 says, those who were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word. In verse 5, the Bible tells us that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to those people. So what do you have? You have people taking the seed of the kingdom, which is the word of God, and sharing it with other people. Did it work in the first century? You better believe it did. Will it work today? Yes. Why will it work? Because God's word still is powerful. The Hebrew writer said that the word of God is living and active and sharper than in a two-edged sword. It may be the case that we underestimate the power of the word of God. Again, look at the success of the ancient church. Look at the success of the apostles in their preaching and teaching endeavors. Look at Paul and, and some of the other apostles. Wherever they went, what were they doing? They were preaching, they were teaching. Great multitudes were being converted to the cause of Christ. Now, by way of application, can we not permeate and infiltrate into various sectors of society right here in North Mississippi? Or in the state of Mississippi, across the line in Memphis, you have a lot of influence. All you have to do is use it. All we have to do is talk to people, share the good news of the kingdom. We have the greatest message known to man. I don't know of a better message to sell than the gospel. Why do we keep it to ourselves? Jesus said, go. Those words haven't changed. The marching orders of the kingdom go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. That's what Jesus said. And I, I think that what we need to do is take to heart the, word, the words of Jesus. When, when I think about the work of the church here at Olive Branch, 
we are in, to some extent, a lull, I, I guess a, a downtime because it's summertime. It's kind of a lull. But listen, the work's not done. We, we haven't arrived by any stretch of the imagination. We are on a journey. And what we're trying to do is reach the lives of people. We have lots of visitors here every week. We have people that come here have no concept of New Testament Christianity. We have people all around us that don't know anything about the New Testament church. So why don't we share it with them? Why don't we tell people? Why don't we let people know that, hey, this is what the Bible teaches. This is what God can do with you and through you and in you. We just have to share it. We have to have faith in this book that we call the Bible. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just doing what the Lord said to do. And I think in doing that, Isaiah said in the long ago, God will give the increase. If we do our part, he'll do his part. I believe that. Let me give you another example of what salt can do. Salt has the ability to make food more palatable. Personally, I don't use salt. But I know a lot of folks that they can't eat a meal without using salt. And I, I sit down with people and eat, and they'll oftentimes take the salt shaker and they'll cover their meal with salt. Well, just because I don't use table salt doesn't mean that the food that I eat doesn't have salt in it, because it does. And you know what? It tastes good. Now, I know that, that doctors say it's not good for you, but it sure tastes good. But nonetheless, we talk about how salt makes things taste more palatable. Our lives and the way we conduct ourselves ought to make Christianity more palatable to those in the world. In other words, when they see how we're living and they observe our behavior, how we, how we react in highs and lows, good times and bad times, that, that says something to those people. And, and I, I think about the Apostle Paul. Paul was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians. And yet over and over again, Paul expressed the importance of joyfulness. Rejoicing in the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. Is it not the case that as Christians, the very, way, the, the very way that we conduct ourselves in this life, it ought to say something to the world about this deep-seated joy and happiness and satisfaction that we have in our lives? Think about what Paul said in verse 11 of chapter 4 in Philippians. When he said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in, therein to be content. Look at how that is completely contrary to the hearts and lives of so many people in our world today. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. There are people all over, all over this area. They think that contentment comes by buying this or buying that or having this or having that or climbing the corporate ladder here or there or whatever. And Paul is saying, look, as a child of God, you can be joyful 
You can be happy, you can be satisfied, you can have strength to get you through every day. Again, Paul writing to the saints in Philippi, he's writing from prison and he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What was the source of Paul's strength? It's the Lord. And so, the way that you live, it, it ought to make Christianity more palatable to others. And then there's one other thing that, that I would share with you. And that is, salt has the unique ability to create thirst in the lives of people. If you eat enough salt, you know what happens? You've got to have some water, don't you? Why? Because you're thirsty. I want you to think about your life for a minute. When people, when people observe how you carry yourself at school, on the ball field, on the golf course, tennis courts, the gym, at work, at home, wherever it may be, when people observe your life, does it create a thirst deep down within them for what you have? I want you to think about that for a minute. When people observe your life, when they watch how you carry yourself from day to day, does it make them thirsty for Christianity? It's my belief that the way we live ought to ought to say to the world, there's no, there's no other way, there's no better way to live than to live for Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, at verse 3, Paul said, for Christ who is our life. If Jesus is truly the hub of our lives, it will create a thirst in the lives of others. It's easy to understand why Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. We are, we are that leavening influence for good in this world. If, if we're going to turn the world upside down like they did in the first century, then we've got to, we've got to utilize whatever influence we have for good. I want to encourage you, I want you to think about over the next few days how you can use your life as an influence for good in this community. Think about how you can share the gospel with somebody. Think about somebody that you could invite to worship services on Sunday morning, to Bible class on Wednesday night. Think about somebody that you could help lead to Jesus. You can do that. We all can do that. We can do it if we will just do what Jesus said to do. Be the salt of the earth. Now, let me talk for just a minute or two about the danger of saltless saints. You see, Jesus said that if the salt has lost its flavor, it's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. I think what Jesus was saying in the long ago is this. Salt has an intrinsic value. Sometimes people talk about he or she is worth their weight in salt. Well, if salt has lost its flavor, as Jesus said, it's useless. It's not good for anything. What kind of value do you bring 
to the kingdom. I understand the kingdom brings a lot of value to our lives. We can't exist without being connected to the kingdom of God. When we're baptized into Christ, we become a part of God's kingdom, his family, the church, the ecclesia. But you see, Jesus wants us to use our influence for good. And the bottom line is, if, we, if, if we're not the salt of the earth, if we're not using our influence for good, then, then the question could be asked, what good are we to the kingdom? What good are you to the kingdom? You ever thought about that? Please don't misunderstand me. All of us, whether young or old, we all have value in the kingdom. We can all make a contribution to the kingdom. But we have to guard our influence, don't we? There are lots of ways that you can contribute to the kingdom of God. When Jesus said, if the salt has lost its flavor, it's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. If we don't guard our influence and use it the way we should, then what Jesus is saying is, you're not of any value to the kingdom or for the sake of the kingdom. Doesn't that say to us that we need to guard to protect our influence? Did Solomon not say a good name is rather to be chosen rather than great riches? Does it not say that we ought to guard our speech? Do you remember what Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6? Let your, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Does it not have a lot to say about how we carry ourselves ourselves on a daily basis? When Paul said, be an example in word, in conduct. Yes. I want to close tonight by, by trying to emphasize this. You have tremendous ability to be an influence for good right here in this church and in this community. Don't waste your influence. Use your influence for good. Wouldn't it be great if every pew were filled in this auditorium? It can happen. But the only way it can happen is, is if every one of us uses his or her influence to its maximum capacity. We've got to understand that the fields are ripe unto harvest. And if we're going to be what the Lord would have us to be, then we've got, we've got to be the salt of the earth. We've got, we've got to be the influence for good that Jesus would have us to be in this community. If Jesus Christ were living in this community, you think people would know it? I think the answer is yes. 
The church of Christ is in this community. We've been here for a long time. How many people know it? How many people know about the church right here on Sandage Road? If people don't know about it, it's our fault. Let's do everything we can to be an influence for good. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, could we encourage you to come to Christ? Believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. If you die in your sins, Jesus said, where I am, there you can't come. You don't want to step out into eternity without Jesus. And then here's what you need to do. You need to repent of every sin, confess the name of Christ before others, and then be buried with Him in a watery grave of baptism. Rising to walk in newness of life, knowing that it's in Christ that you have forgiveness, according to Ephesians 1.7. And then be faithful. Be the salt of the earth. Do what you can do. That's all the Lord asks. Do your best. Use your influence for good. It may be that you're here tonight. Maybe you're not what you ought to be. Maybe people have observed your behavior. Maybe you haven't been the Christian influence that you ought to be. Could we encourage you? Make some changes. It may be that you need the prayers of the church. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. And God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?